Med Mastery will teach you the most important 20% of ultrasound skills so you can solve over 90% of patient problems. You'll learn how to perform echo, abdominal ultrasound, pocus, vascular ultrasound, and the list goes on. But not only ultrasound is covered, you'll also find award-winning courses on EKG, chest x-ray interpretation, mechanical ventilation, and so much more. Med Mastery's courses are fully accredited. Tons of training programs use them to train their clinicians and are seeing amazing results. Get a 15% discount on your lifetime subscription at medmastery.com slash ultrasound gel. That's M-E-D-M-A-S-T-E-R-Y dot com slash ultrasound gel. Ultrasound gel podcast. Ultrasound gel podcast. Hello and welcome to the Ultrasound Gel Junior Podcast. Got a little sun coming in and I am feeling chipper. I am also chipper because I'm with my podcast besties, Dr. Russ Horowitz and Dr. Leanne McLean, and very excited to talk about our article today entitled Point of Care Ultrasound for Neonatal Central Catheter Positioning, Impact on X-rays and Line Tip Position Accuracy. This is, I would say, relatively hot off the presses from the European Journal of Pediatrics, February of 2022. I would love, Russ, for you to give us a little bit of background on this. Yeah, sure. I think this is a fantastic topic. Talking to Neos, the placement of lines is sort of the bane of their existence. And trying to align where those tips are can just take a lot of work and a ton of x-rays. So this is very intriguing to me. A little bit of background here. We uh, recognize that a lot of lines get placed in the nursery. Most often they're the umbilical vein and arterial lines. And of course, they're doing more and more peripherally placed central catheters or pick lines. Trying to find exactly where the tip is can cause a lot of problems. And if those tips are malpositioned, obviously the risk for problems is super high. The way the traditional assessment is done is with plain films, but sometimes these little tiny babies get tons and tons of films over and over. And although we want to consider that x-rays are the absolute reference standard, sometimes they're not telling us and then knows exactly where things are. Evidence has been growing that real-time ultrasound can have higher sensitivity and specificity than the x-ray. So let's see, does ultrasound help the identification of the central tip positioning? Does it reduce the need for number of x-rays performed? Other questions are, what factors impact the performance of ultrasound in determining the central line tip positioning in the EOs? And I think the overall question is, what's the potential reduction in radiation exposure and costs when using point-of-care ultrasound as compared to traditional radiology to check the neonatal central line placement position? So in this study, it was a single tertiary neonatal and pediatric hospital in the UK, and they admit about six and a half thousand deliveries per year. So they included in this retrospective cohort study all newborns who had umbilical lines and or pick lines inserted during the study time. Time frame, which ran for about six months over 2018 and 2019. They did look at a lot of demographic characteristics, specifically gestational age broken into extreme preterm, preterm, and moderate to late preterm, as well as term babies, the types of catheter and the sites of insertion. And it's important to recognize that in a small proportion of these babies, there were four or five lines placed, which suggests likely the same patient had multiple attempts for different lines. The population was divided into two groups groups, an ultrasound group, which comprised of lines scanned with ultrasound, and also a non-ultrasound group, which was assessed conventionally by radiography only. 
For the analysis, they defined one episode as the insertion of one line. However, many of us know that often a baby in the first few days of life will probably have a UVC, potentially also a UAC, and they may transition then to a pick, either an arm or leg-based insertion. And they also looked at total and type of x-ray performed for each episode, whether that was chest, chest and abdomen or abdomen alone. Length of insertion of the catheters, as far as we can tell, is calculated using traditional formulas, meaning external anatomical measurements for picks as well as for UVCs and UACs. What we can tell as well from the protocol is they talk a lot about dynamic tip placement, but there's no mention at all about using an ultrasound to guide the needle to skin for those pick insertions, obviously not relevant for our umbilical line patients. As we mentioned before, they used the x-rays as their reference standard, and they are thinking about really, you know, independently reviewing both with a neonatologist and a radiologist the x-rays in terms of inter-observer related agreement, which I think is important as well, not only from a cross-disciplinary perspective, but to have that inter-rater agreement between two different experts. They looked at radiation exposure and tried to quantify that based on the number of x-rays and extrapolated some other data from that that we can talk about. So who did do the ultrasounds? Well, what was nice about this study is that a consultant radiologist was involved in the development of the ultrasound protocol and worked with three neonatologists who were focused enthusiasts to sort of develop this dynamic tip assessment protocol. We won't go through the protocol in detail because it is different for UVCs, UACs, high picks, and low picks, but we'll mention that there's great resources in the paper itself for those of you who are interested in that technique. It is a two-person technique, meaning that whoever's placing the line was not the person doing the ultrasounds. And the ultrasounds were done dynamically for tip placement or confirmation, meaning that before they secured the line on the skin, they were confirming that they could actually visualize the tip in the appropriate position as defined by their protocol. Ideally, they did this in two views and recorded clips that could be reviewed afterwards. All the study scans were performed by the three design neonatologists or by one of their team being supervised by them. So a pretty small cohort of POCUS experts. The scan itself was done with a microconvex transducer, pretty frequently used in the NICU or in the delivery room. And again, all lines were placed using consistent anatomical formulas and then checked either with x-ray or with ultrasound. When we think about all of the criteria that they used to do it, they used a bubble test for everything except for the arterial line. They used some mobilization tips, whether that was moving the limb, if it was a pick, or jiggling the UVC. And they looked at the anatomical position of the line in relation to anatomical structures that are pretty standardized in the neonate. So why don't we get to some of the results? This study really focused on line placement. And as we know, if you work with neonates or did when you were a resident, some of them have multiple lines. So they were able to assess 274 lines in 144 newborns during the study period. There was 142 pick lines, 92 UVCs, and 40 UACs. There were only two UACs in the ultrasound group, which essentially limited any further data analysis. So they really focused primarily on the picks and the UVCs. Population characteristics did not differ significantly between the ultrasound and non-ultrasound groups or different line subgroups. And overall, they did 386 x-rays and the mean number of x-rays per line was 1.41. Notably, the total number of x-rays performed in the ultrasound group was significantly lower than the non-ultrasound group, with the mean being 1.19 in the ultrasound group and 1.5 in the non-ultrasound group. That's interesting. And I'm sure I'm very excited to hear what you guys have to say about that when we get to the discussion part. In 
In two cases, though, notably, the UVC was actually visualized in the liver by ultrasound in real time, allowing them to promptly remove and avoid the x-ray that they would have had to do in order to prove that it was malpositioned. For line position, since if you guys always remember like high, low, is it centrally placed or not, the percentage of lines in the correct position on x-ray, which was they called good or satisfactory, was significantly higher in the ultrasound group than the non-ultrasound group, 76.9% versus 69.1% with a p-value of 0.05. So there was significantly more lines in good position and fewer lines in inadequate position. Similar results were found in the PICU and the UVC subgroups. Interestingly, there was significant difference in position accuracy according to the limb where the pick lines were inserted. As we remember, they do upper extremity and lower extremity pick lines, and there was higher position accuracy in general for all lines that went into the upper limbs, both non-ultrasound and ultrasound groups. The position accuracy was high in the ultrasound pick group, though, whatever the insertion site was, upper or lower extremity. There was a significant difference in position accuracy according to the limb where the pick lines were inserted, with a general higher position accuracy in the upper limb for all lines, both ultrasound and non-ultrasound. When you're replacing a lower extremity line, the position accuracy was higher with the ultrasound pick group rather than the non-ultrasound pick group. So accuracy significantly improved with the use of ultrasound for lines in the IVC, so the lower extremity, but did not significantly vary for lines that were placed close to the SVC, so upper extremity pick lines. They did assess inter-rater reliability and the agreement between an experienced neonatologist and radiologist for the assessment of line position accuracy was strong, a kappa of 0.8 for the PIC and UVC group. And they talked about radiation dose, mean effective radiation dose, or millisievert, per episode, estimated for all the x-rays performed was 0.033 millisieverts, and the ultrasound group received significantly less of a radiation dose compared to the non-ultrasound group with a good p-value. And that was a similar result found in the PIC and UVC group. Cost they also assessed, and that was kind of an extrapolation based on the cost of an x-ray at this institution. And the mean cost x-ray cost per episode was significantly higher for the non-ultrasound group compared to the ultrasound group. And similar results were found in the PIC and UVC subgroups. So kind of focusing on those results and thinking about the design, what do you guys think were some of the strengths of this study? Leanne, what do you think? What I really liked about the study in terms of the strengths is that they really did a, a you know a large sample size, albeit a retrospective one, looking at a lot of different types of central lines. And I do think the variety of central access in the NICU and in the delivery suite is reflected in this study. I liked that they looked at it in terrain reliability across specialties because I do think that that's a conversation that happens quite frequently, whether it's an emergency provider and a radiologist or an emergency provider and a neonatologist or a neonatologist and a radiologist. And then, you know, I like that they're trying to derive some value to the system, although in general, I find some challenges with deriving kind of cost savings in these studies. We could talk about that a little bit later. Right, Russ, not to make you the bad guy, but what do you think are some of the limitations? Where where did you have more questions? So some questions come to mind. I think there's generic and specific ones. The generic ones have to do with that. It's a retrospective, but I'm also surprised it's retrospective because it seems like this is the kind of thing that could be done prospectively. It's one single center. The other piece is if we're grouping all these neo lines together, since they only did a couple of UACs, it makes it really hard to do any generalizations on that. And I do have like a point that I like to uh, mention is that they talk about x-rays as the gold standard 
standard, but I think it really goes more as a reference standard because a number of papers and personal experiences have shown that the x-ray doesn't always tell the truth, that maybe the ultrasound is what really is true. That's very meta, Russ. I think it's a really good point. And and whenever I look at large groups like this, one of the things I like to think about is if I was going to take this data and kind of move it forward, other than making it prospective, how would I change it? And I think your point about the UACs is interesting because I wonder if there's value in doing one that's just about central venous access. And thinking about that in the context of, you know, the the high proportion that are needed, right? Not every baby will get a UAC, but many will need venous access. And so the, maybe there's a way to kind of remove some of those outliers. And similarly, I think about those patients when we go back to sort of the demographic breakdown that needed multiple lines. And when we think about the ones who are needing four, needing five lines, where do we see that in terms of added value to that patient that maybe has had a rockier course as sort of a subgroup analysis in a larger study where we're doing it maybe prospectively? Because I think when we look at how they're deriving value in the study, right, whether it is, you know, can you do it? Are they appropriately placed? How many x-rays is the patient getting? I think those things become more magnified in that subgroup of sicker patients. That's a really good point, Leanne. Yeah, I, I- I was kind of trying to think of this article broadly, which is whenever we're talking about can ultrasound replace the current modality, when you talk about lines, you want to know, is it in the artery or is it in the vein? And is it positioned properly and depth and things like that, depending on where you're going? And I think that this article is really useful in that it is reminding us that for these neonates, every single time you have to even touch them, right? Like if we remember our times as, because we're all PEM, and this is just kind of for those who don't know, you get yelled at by a nurse in the NICU if you even touch one of these small babies, because there's a lot of evidence that the more you agitate them, the more you mess with them, it can really send their stress hormones up and it's it's not good for them. And we don't know the evidence entirely about how radiation affects them, but I think we can all presume that we want to x-ray them the least amount possible. We want to mess with them the least amount possible. And so the fact that they did this study, I do think it's incredibly useful. Can you replace the x-ray? Can we improve on it? Sure. But that is like a naysayer thing. I think the point of ultrasound is that we want to try to push it forward and see different ways to improve what is currently being accepted as excellent when actually there's some limitations to it, as Russ and Leanne both pointed out. X-ray is not perfect. So I think this is an excellent study to talk about that. And I also think that they mentioned kind of briefly at the end of the discussion about how education is so important. And I do think that even though I'm not going to use ultrasound or use the kind of really dramatic and highly technical view they use to check a line on a neonate. I'm going to call my neonatologist probably to help me. When you have a group in the pediatric hospital pushing forward and the education and the training and the uses for point of care, it helps everybody who does point of care of any kind. It helps ultrasound and it helps hospitals accept that they need to change protocols and consider um, moving the needle, as you guys said. So I think for me, this you know it was retrospective, but I'm very hopeful they'll do a prospective. I think it was an awesome study to look at it. And in summary, this is a retrospective cohort study of 274 newborns that found that real-time use of ultrasound for line tip positioning in the NICU significantly decreased the number of x-rays performed and was associated with better line position, decreased irradiation, and decreased cost. Really where I see the utility in this for my day-to-day practice in my own emergency department is thinking about that high-stress UVC insertion 
in the emergency room with an unexpected delivery and being able to kind of confirm in real time with a very well-described protocol where that tip is before the x-ray happens. Because I think when we're collaborating between a neonatology team that comes down and an emergency team that comes down in the context of an unexpected resuscitation, I'm a huge advocate for having all of those skills as somebody who's a POCUS user every day. And I 100% would be checking my UVC placement with my micro curve that I have in our department in the same way that they would as part of that workup. And I think that that's something that's really applicable for those of you that practice in emergency medicine or in PEM. Really, you're looking at that kind of occasional high stress intervention. And if you're a comfortable POCUS user, especially for things like central lines or abdominal scanning, it's not that hard to translate some of their protocols into that moment for you. I'd love to build upon what you're saying. This might be the thing that I think about. I think about how if we're doing cross-departmental collaboration, if we have NICU providers who are placed in a UVC in, let's say, a CRAS C-section in a general emergency department or in a pediatric emergency department where we have an unexpected delivery, if they're not used to doing this, then what we can probably bring to the take-home implementation is that we're used to looking at the IVC. Now, we look at it for other reasons, but what we can now start collaborating with is they're really fast at putting the lines in, and we have the ability to look at this particular structure. So now what we can bring to this as evidenced by the paper is we can look in the place that we're used to looking at for things like central venous pressure and dehydration and other applications and say, ah, I see an echogenic thing that's approaching where the right atrium is. And they're going to be like, okay, our line's in great position. We could feel comfortable using it. And the x-ray then shows to confirm and it gets distributed widely. If we look and we see that this catheter isn't where it's supposed to be, then they bring in all their information as the experts and say, ah, this has gotten put into the liver and that's the anatomy that they know. And then we can start working together to make sure that these UVCs are where they're supposed to be. Yeah. So it's like ER doctor as the ultrasound operator, because we do that for other divisions as well. We check joints for ortho, we fractures, like different things that the subspecialists are impressed and very interested in what we can provide as the imaging specialist in that kind of setting when the patient's too sick to go to radiology. So yeah, I like that. That's a really good idea. For the paper specifically, I think there's two major take-home points. One is that the use of point of care ultrasound can be uh, done to determine the line position in the NICU. And what it did is it significantly reduced the number of x-rays performed, was associated with better position lines, less radiation, and parentheses, maybe decreased cost. The second big one is that accurate placement of lower limb picks increased with ultrasound as compared to the non-ultrasound group. All right. So thank you guys for listening to the Ultrasound Gel Junior podcast. We are so excited to have you and looking forward to our next episode together. Can't wait to see you guys and happy scanning, everybody. More. 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 I'm gonna call them Sieverts, if that's okay with everybody. You want Sievert? Okay, I, you know, it's like, it's like potato, potato.